no man should ever be allowed to watch a Richard Gere rom-com because they will learn things they should not know. Hello, hello. Hello. We are back for a very special rom-com February. Yeah. What? Oh my gosh. It's been so long. It's been a whole year. It's been so long. Yeah. Please help us. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting because I I need to like refocus. I need to get into the rom-com mode because Mm -hmm. it is January 20th. Yeah. Yeah, We're we're ahead of schedule. (laughs) Yeah. We're very ahead we're of just, the moment. We're hashtag girl bossing. <laughs> yeah, we uh we had to get a little bit ahead, but we're very excited for this month. We have a lot of really cool movies lined up, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm very excited. A lot of them are actually your requests. Yeah, and we didn't even ask for like specific rom com requests this time around. We just have been pulling from what you guys have been really asking for on our movie request form. Yeah, you guys have been so active. It's really helpful. Yeah, thank you so much, and. Uh, we're starting off with a really exciting one that I had never seen before. Me neither. Oh my gosh, <laughs> look at us. <laughs> we are doing the 1990 classic Pretty Woman. Yes. Pretty Woman. <laughs> Insert song here. <laughs> yeah, this movie, it's just like you hear it in pop culture, like it's mm-hmm. constantly referenced. I never imagined that Richard Gere was this hot. I was like, yeah, actively unwell after I saw this movie. No, I, it's the thing with Richard Gere is like, I always knew that it was like, oh yeah, Richard Gere, he's so handsome. Like he's one of like the hottest men in Hollywood, like blah, blah, blah. And I never like really saw it. I never really got it. And then I watched this movie and I was like, Oh, this is why. For sure. Now I'm putting the puzzle pieces together. It all makes sense. Yeah. He really was that guy. Certainly. And, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. That they do. (laughs) This is a finance podcast now. (laughs) Looking to uh, produce a movie? Yeah. Well, we've got the numbers for you. (laughs) They invested $14 in the production of the movie and – they actually made over four hundred fifty million. I don't. My contacts are so blurry. It's insane. <laughs> the font is small. Yeah, the font's yeah. a little small. They made uh, four hundred sixty-three point four million at the box office. So good for them. Great return. Uh, Julia Roberts was also nominated for an oscar did she win an oscar for aaron brockovich um i know i'm pretty sure she won one for steel magnolias let me double check okay yeah their chemistry is impeccable yeah i was saying to mo that i don't think this movie would work if they had cast anyone else because we also have some alternate casting and this movie is so heavily reliant on the chemistry between the leads and like the charm that they have with each other and the way that they bounce off each other is so delightful to watch and i think this movie would have absolutely tanked if it was anyone else definitely i will say she did win an oscar for aaron brockovich she did okay wow but yeah for alternate casting for the character of edward lewis they were looking at al pacino and sylvester stallone yeah (laughs) 
not so crazy on Sylvester. I guess I always just picture him like beat up looking because of mm. the Rocky movie. Yeah. yeah. It would have been a very different vibe, I think. And then for uh, Vivian, they considered Michelle Pfeiffer, Molly Ringwald, Meg Ryan, Jennifer Jason Lee, Karen Allen, and Daryl Hannah. Yeah. I don't know who that is. She's also in Steel Magnolias. Okay. But yeah, they ended up going with Julia Roberts, who was a relative unknown at the time. Um, she'd only really done like Mystic Pizza and Steel Magnolias. And mm-hmm. I think she was in her early 20s, like somewhere between 21, 23 when they shot this. Oh, yeah. I think she was 22. Yeah. She was really, really phenomenal. And also, I guess I just haven't really watched that many of her movies, but my God, is this woman beautiful. It's like – Oh, yeah. I feel like she could have been a runway model. I think she was a model like at the beginning of her career. All right. Well, you didn't have to tell me <laughs> that information. Um, no, she does look gorgeous, like yeah. so, so gorgeous. And I mean, regardless of the clothes she's wearing in the movie, mm-hmm. she looks gorgeous, whether she's wearing her like yeah. Forever 21 outfit or her mm-hmm. Barney's outfit. Yeah. And what was I going to say? Oh, it's just crazy to think that she got this role when she was younger than us. Yeah. Because now I look at it and I'm like, she looks 30. I'm like, I don't even look 30. I don't know if she looks 30. I would say she looks like, I feel like she looks like our age, maybe a little older, maybe like between 25, 27. Yeah. I don't think she looks old, but I think she looks like an adult. Yeah. And I feel like when I was 22, 23, I did not look like an adult whatsoever. It also helps that she is 5'9", because taller people just generally look older. Like an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way when Phil and I are walking around Manhattan and we're like, they only let tall people live here. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but I, I can totally see why when this movie came out, she like became America's sweetheart. This really cemented her like A-list status. And I feel yeah. like after this movie, her career just completely took off. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hop into the reviews. Let's do it. <laughs> so first up, we have a review from DHHDHSHA. H.W.? Oh, yeah. I don't know how (laughs) to (laughs) pronounce if that's your name, but you know who you are. And for your review, we have decided on the song Grace Kelly by Mika. Hell yeah. This is a really fun song. I remember listening to this song all the time when it came out. I think I was in like middle school or elementary school. And for this montage, I'm picturing you've woken up on a Saturday morning you hop out of bed you like put on your favorite sweats and maybe some like fuzzy socks something really cozy and you're like i am going to deep clean my house i'm gonna have it sparkling you're like dancing around as you're vacuuming you're singing along as you're like wiping down the counters the sun is streaming in and at the end of it, you just have this, like, gorgeous, clean space. You're so, like, content in your spot and just, like, ready to take on the beautiful Saturday ahead of you. Ah, uh, amazing. The next um, review we have is Too Much Plant Gene Girl. For your montage, we gave you Out of Reach by Gabriella. What I'm thinking for this montage, since it's kind of like a slower song, it's about changes, in this case a breakup, but can be applicable to anything Mm -hmm. and what i'm picturing is actually hear me out stick with me for a sec (laughs) you're in your bed you're wallowing we've all been there i do it 
like maybe you went to bed in your clothes from last night. You're you're eating cereal in bed. You're kind of struggling out here, right? But you you look up, you look at the alarm clock, and you're just like, I have to get out of bed. So you get out of bed. You're putting on your big girl pants, and you you just make your bed, and then you take a shower. You're feeling a little bit better. Get an outfit you feel good in. You go get some groceries, and then you get a call from your friend, and you guys go hang out, and y'all have like a really good time. And your day starts at zero, but it ends at one hundred, and you feel a lot better by the end of the night. Amazing! Wow. Well, thank you so much for the reviews, you guys. We really appreciate it so much. We're working our way through December. Since this is a bit of a longer episode, we're just doing two today, but we're going to keep it going. Also, we're thinking about maybe switching it up and doing something else for our shout outs just because we've been doing the montages for quite a while now and we want to just you know shake it up a little bit. So if you have any ideas, feel free to DM us and let us know. Yes. And with that being said, should we rock and roll right into it? <laughs> Let's do it. Picture it. It's 1990. You're in the Beverly Hills and Jason Alexander is one of your <laughs> hosts. Okay. You're at this amazing party. Everyone you would ever want to steal their trust fund is there. Mm. There's a magician there for some reason. For some reason. <laughs> Very weird to me. Yeah. Meanwhile, inside, Edward Lewis, a.k.a. Richard Gear. Uh. Oh, my gosh. So, just so <laughs> handsome. Yes. With his beady little eyes. And he's on the phone <laughs> speaking to this woman who's like, you know, I can't make it or whatever. And, and he's like, oh, didn't the receptionist give you the tickets? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I speak to your secretary more than I speak to you. And eventually they decide to break up. Pretty devastating. Except he doesn't seem to be affected by it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, bye then. Another one bites the dust. Mm. So he walks down the stairs and talks to his assistant. And he's like, you know, what does more stock look like? And it's for a deal they're working on. Um, Edward says that he wants this wrapped up as soon as possible because he has to be in New York by Sunday. He's not interested in the party whatsoever. Yes. This woman, Susan, approaches him and tells him that she was sorry to hear about Carter, who we find out later is his father. Mm -hmm. He says thank you and mentions that he heard she got married. And she's like, yeah, you know, I couldn't keep waiting for you. Mm. And he asks her if when they were dating – she spoke to his secretary more than she spoke to him. And do you know what she says? <laughs> Y'all, she says, your secretary was one of my bridesmaids. <sighs> Devastating blow. Yeah. Devastating blow. But what is our lovely um, protagonist, Richard Gere, <laughs> a.k.a. Edward Lewis, say? He goes... Your husband is a very lucky guy, and he means it. He's a yeah. very sincere man. He is, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So he goes outside. Um, his limo is backed in by a bunch of cars. So he's like, hey, mm -hmm. Philip, a.k.a. Jason Alexander, a.k.a. his attorney. He's <laughs> like, give me the keys to your car because my, my limo's blocked. So I will be robbing you and stealing your car. 
And Philip is like, hey. He paid for his car, I bet. Like, <laughs> True. And Phil is like, you know, can we get the valets to move the car? Like, I really don't want you driving my car. It's like a stick shift. It's really expensive. But Edward's like, nah, I'm going to take it. <laughs> Drives off. And Phil calls after him. He's like, you can't drive a stick and you're going to get lost in the hills. And, of course, he does immediately end up getting lost in the hills. Yes, he does. And before we even get started with the rest of the episode, I do just want to say, like, ladies, a man you used to date will never be happy for you <laughs> when you find happiness. Never. He will never be happy for you when you find happiness. Never, ever. That being said, um, <laughs> meanwhile, in Hollywood – Vivian's alarm clock goes off, and we have a little getting ready montage, very akin to Uptown Girls. Mm. So um, Vivian, played by the amazing Julia Roberts, yes. walks downstairs, but in the hallway, she sees her landlord shaking down a tenant for rent. And I'm like, <laughs> we're not going to pay the rent. <laughs> $525,000. This movie is also filled with like, cameos like very small bit parts by oh, other yeah. people like the guy who plays the landlord is like heckles from friends that's like what i mainly oh know him God. from but there's just like various little sprinkled through cameos throughout absolutely so i keep wanting to say julia roberts <laughs> vivian goes back upstairs to her apartment and looks in her toilet tank a la this movie came after, but yeah. like all of burlesque, Christina um, Aguilera. Aguilera. Yeah. Well, this the thing about this movie is that there are things that are cliche because they happened first in this movie. Oh, so true. Yeah. So true. So she's like, wow, $1? Cool. Amazing. Yeah. So she decides to climb down the fire escape instead of going down the stairs. She passes by a bunch of police interrogating a man about a sex worker they just pulled out of a dumpster. It's, like, really tragic. Mm -hmm. uh, Vivian sees the body, and she, like, almost gags. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's actually, like, really fucked up, and I feel like nowadays there would be more respect for the body they found. Like, mm -hmm. they would cover it or just whatever the yeah. case may be. But the cop in this situation is Frank Azaria, Pretty prominent actor, right? Yeah, definitely. He's done like a million things. He is in the shop for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Come, come be in the shot. Uh, so he's trying to get tourists to stop photographing the body, and he's like talking to this guy. I remember one of his lines is like, I don't want this body out on the sidewalk. Like, this is fucked up. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I did read that the original script was supposed to be like a lot darker, and they they lightened it quite a bit when Disney acquired it. So, mm. yeah. So then we go into this dive bar. Vivian goes looking for her friend slash roommate, Kit, who she finds upstairs, like, hanging out, having a ball. And she's like, what happened to the rent money? Turns out Kit used it to buy drugs. Oh, also, Laura San Giacomo is an amazing actress. She was also in... Sex Lies and Videotapes. Mm. I feel like she was low-key the first Emily Ratajkowski. I feel like they look pretty similar. Oh, yeah. And they're both, like, beautiful women. Yeah. Definitely the bone structure is there mm -hmm. for sure. But, yeah, the, these guys that Kit is hanging out with, one of them's like, oh, relax, Vivian. Like, she only owes me $200, and, like, maybe you could Ugh. work her tab off. And she's like – $200 Ugh. in 1990. Yeah. That's a lot of money. 
Money, 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 honey, <laughs> money, 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 money. I'm just a baby. I don't have any money. Trifecta complete. Beautiful. So <laughs> it's an obsession, friends. Yeah, it's a sickness. So they go downstairs. And uh, they go to the bar where Kit starts, you know, making herself a meal out of garnishes. So she's picking up olives. She's getting some orange slices and onion. I used to literally do this at a (laughs) job that I had. Mm -hmm. So when I worked at this restaurant Mm -hmm. and I was a hostess, we would get like so, so hungry. Yeah. So we would get glasses of water but we would put the drink garnishes in them and one of my (laughs) bosses at the time or like a supervisor she was like oh I called this my fruit salad and it would be like um a lychee and Mm. like a fucking lime wedge and like a pineapple piece like just whatever the fuck was there oh yeah I I used to do this at um a restaurant that I worked at like years ago, not my most recent restaurant job. Yeah. But it was a pizza place and I was usually alone in the kitchen all the time. Like I would work by myself. Did you eat like the vegan pepperoni or something? This wasn't the vegan place. This was like a regular pizza place. But I would make myself a little napkin full of various pizza toppings, put some (laughs) mozzarella shredded cheese on top and just have a little snack. Anyways, brutal. Everybody, we're big proponents of stealing garnishes. Moving forward, <laughs> Kit's like, you know what? It's my apartment because, like, obviously Vivian's upset about the money. Kit's like, you know what? It's my apartment. I'm the one who gave you a place to stay. I gave you some money and I gave you some valuable vocation advice. So get off my back. The bartender does then call Kit out for stealing garnishes, saying this is not a buffet. And Vivian is like, can you focus? Like, I just saw a girl get pulled out of a dumpster. And Kit's like, yeah, I know, skinny Marie. But she was a flake and a crackhead. And her pimp Dominic was trying to straighten her out. Oh, my God. (sighs) That's hard life. Yeah. What I was going to say, and I've never done sex work, Mm -hmm. so take it with a grain of salt, but it does seem like there are a lot of different experiences with sex work, right? Mm -hmm. Some people feel really empowered and yeah. in control and other people are like, yeah, you know, I did this. And for me, I'm of the belief that like, yeah, people can hate any job they have, like mm-hmm. not just sex work. Like you could hate your office job, like the same way that people hate doing mm-hmm. this other thing. Like it really is a lot of stigma, but mm-hmm. there is a level of dangerousness that comes with doing something that is illegal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just something to think about when you're Thinking about sex work, like not everyone has even the same opportunities within Mm -hmm. that category of career or job, whatever you want to call it. Like some people have very dangerous experiences and some people have really like safe Mm -hmm. experiences. Yeah. That's why it's very important to always support safety for sex workers. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So Kit and Vivian go to their typical spot and they see a girl named Rachel there. And Kit is like, absolutely not. I am, I've been here. I am an elder in this spot. And we work from Bob Hope to Ella Fitzgerald. So we have seniority. Yeah, because they're on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she ends up leaving. Some guys drive by. They're like, hey, give me a freebie. It's my birthday. And Vivian is like, wow, okay. Looking like a slow night. Mm-hmm. And Kit suggests maybe they need a pimp, but Vivian is like, 
No, a pimp will control us. He'll take our money. Um, It seems like Vivian, although she's like in the industry, doesn't want to be like tied down. Like she wants to have her freedoms. Mm -hmm. And then they see Edward in the Lotus Espirit clunking along because he doesn't know how to drive it. And Kit is like, that is rent. (laughs) And she tells Vivian to go for it and call her when she's done. So they tell each other, take care of you, which is like their little phrase. Mm -hmm. And she walks over to Edward. Yeah. So she takes off her coat. We see the famous like cutout dress that she has, the tall boots, the blonde bob wig. She struts over to the car. Edward is struggling hard. And she's like, hey, you looking for a date? And he's like, no, I'm looking for Beverly Hills. <laughs> and she offers to give him directions for $5. And he's like, absolutely not. So she's like, okay, great. It's now $10. And he's like quite impressed by her her spunk and her uh, affinity for sales. And he's like, okay, fine. So Vivian gets in the car and gives her a 20 and asks if she has any change. And she's like, actually, I'll keep the 20 and I'll show you the way personally and starts giving him directions. They drive. He asks her what her name is. And she's like, what do you want it to be? And he's just like (sighs) smiling to himself, like, you know, tell me your name. She says it's Vivian. She shows him how to get back to his hotel. Then Vivian gushes about the specs of the car. She's like, this is a four-cylinder. It's like it rides like it's on rails. Mm. And he's like, how do you know all this? She says that she was around boys who were interested in cars when she was younger. And so then Vivian's like, oh, what was your first car? And he says a limo. And Vivian's like, oh, I grew up in Georgia. They're just talking to each other. And she's like, okay, but you're not shifting, right? <laughs> you're doing this badly. Like you can hear through this whole scene, the gears are grinding. Yeah. Like he's fucking up the car so much. Mm-hmm. So he asks her if she's ever drove a Lotus and she's like, no, like, of course not. It's like a super expensive car. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you're gonna right now. So they switch seats and she is a natural at driving stick. She's clearly done it before. Mm-hmm. And she tells him that the pedals are close together like a race car, which is really great for women's feet because, you know, most women have like smaller feet, except her. She is a size nine. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. And she tells him that your foot is the size of your forearm, like from your wrist to your elbow. And oh, my God. She's like, that's a fun piece of trivia for you. Edward is like smitten from the beginning. Yeah. The way that he was looking at her, I was like, oh, my God. That is the fucked up thing about Richard <laughs> Gere in this movie. He looks at her like – He's just like, I am enthralled by you. Yeah. We have this chemistry. And I and I think he's looking at me and yeah. then I get like psychotic. I get feral. I could like feel <laughs> myself being impregnated through the screen. Like I feel like I'm a dog in heat. Yeah. It's <laughs> frankly illegal. Illegal. It's illegal. And we should arrest Richard Gere, bring him to my apartment. You know, I'll show him what's what. <laughs> Oh, it's oh but, my god! Yeah, there the look that he gives her, and he does this throughout the movie. It's just mm-hmm. he looks over and he's like, "Oh, it." If I had to compare it to 
another movie, I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, that man plays that woman's husband and they've been married for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how he looks at her. Yeah. On the night that he meets her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about this before. Sorry, I have to say this one thing and then I'll get back to the <laughs> actual movie. He manages to play hot and cold at the same time, like mm-hmm. this warm, inviting person when it comes to Vivian. And then at the same time, this cold, you know, closed off businessman. Yeah. It's it's, in, it's ma- incredible. It's, yeah, it's masterful, truly. I wonder if he won an Oscar for this or anything. I don't think so. You know, he was robbed. 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 <laughs> so he asked her what kind of money girls like her make these days. And she's like, I can't take less than $100 an hour. And he's like, whoa, obviously, <laughs> Vivian, it's just regurgitating what Kit told her. But yeah, more power to you. And he's like, you make $100 an hour and you have a safety pin holding up your boot. And she's like, 100 an hour. He's like, well, that's pretty stiff. Oh, I don't remember that part. Well, no, but it's got potential. Oh, then she reaches over and touches his crotch and she's like, well, no, but it's got potential. Okay. We were watching different no. movies. <laughs> We were watching different Did movies. it happen again? <laughs> it literally happened again because I'll tell you fucking why. And I was like, because when I was looking at our notes, there was another scene later on where I was like, I do not remember that. Oh like, my God. At all. And I know why, because I watched the movie on Freeform, like oh. on the Freeform app. Yeah. Yeah. So it was obviously the TV cut. Gotcha. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Of course. Of course we watched different movies. <laughs> I don't remember that. We watched a different movie. Stop putting out different versions of movies. Oh my gosh. For uh for any new listeners, this happened. What is this happened with Jennifer's body and with mm-hmm. something else? I can't remember the other one. I can't remember. But there was something else where we once again watched different I know movies. Jennifer's body because I know I was it you or me who saw the the coffin scene, the funeral scene? I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I saw the extended cut. Apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So moving forward, I guess we'll point out any other discrepancies that we see along the yeah, way. Yeah, moving right along. <laughs> so they pull up to the hotel. He asks Vivian if she's going to be okay, like getting back, because obviously, like she's driven all the way up to. Beverly Hills. And she's like, yeah, I'll just grab a cab back with my $20. So he thanks her for the ride and they part ways. But as he's going back inside, he notices that she actually just goes to the bus stop. Thrifty. Yeah. And uh, he's like, what about the cab? And she's like, oh, I like the bus. And so he asks her once again if her rate is $100 an hour. And she says yes. He's like, okay, would you like to accompany me into my hotel? And she's like, all right. So they get into the hotel. People are looking at her. They're like, you don't belong here. But they do make it to Edward's room. And Vivian looks around in this insane hotel room. Yeah. The penthouse. The pen. Yes, literally the penthouse. Like, you know, you have a foyer. You have a full bar. Like a bar with like that a bartender could go behind. Like a full bar. And a drawing room and like a mm-hmm. parlor, like yeah. just everything, everything, yeah. a whole, a whole gigantic um, apartment essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
you know, are you impressed? And she's like, well, no, I've actually been here all the time. She's really like (laughs) clever. She's really spunky. Mm -hmm. And Vivian checks out the view on the terrace and is like, oh, you could probably see the ocean from here. And he's like, I'll take your word for it. And she's like, huh? And he's like, I'm afraid of heights. And she's like, how could you get the penthouse if you're afraid of heights? And he's like, you know, it's the best. That's his whole thing. She says, now that you have me here, what are you going to do with me? And he's like, I don't have a clue. I didn't plan this. And she asked him if he plans everything in life. And he's like, always, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a planner. So she suggests that he pay her to break the ice. And Vivian sits on his desk you know, he takes the money out, gives it to her. She puts it in her boot. And then she takes out this variety of condoms that she has been toting. Yes. I have, you know, pink, blue, purple, blah, 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 including this gold coin. It's my last one, the coin of champions. And he stands up and Vivian tries to like get the condom on him, like kind of just reach for his pants. And mm-hmm. he's like, I was thinking actually maybe we could talk for a bit. So she's like, all right. Um, are you here for business or pleasure? And he's like, business. So she tries to guess what he does. She thinks that he's probably a lawyer because of his sharp, useless look. <laughs> and then um, the doorbell rings. Who is it? It's champagne, which he has ordered down at the lobby. What? So an attendant brings in some champagne and strawberries and just leaves them on the bar And he just kind of like stares at Vivian because she's the one that let him in. And she's just like, what's he looking at? And Edward just like quickly goes over and gives him a tip. And she's like, whoops, my bad. So she then sits down and takes off her boots and asks Edward if he has a wife or a girlfriend. And he's like, well, actually, I have both. I have an ex-wife that lives in Long Island. And I have an ex-girlfriend that's moving out of my apartment as we speak. Then he pours her a glass of champagne. She downs it immediately. So, like, by the time he turns back around, that shit is gone. Classic. And then he offers her a strawberry to, like, bring out the flavor in the champagne. Like, (laughs) you're seducing me, Richard, here right now. So she does tell him that she appreciates the whole, like, seduction thing that he has going on. But, like you paid me, I'm a sure thing, like we can just move it along. Mm-hmm. After all, he only ha- paid for an hour. So then he's like, well, how much for the r- whole night? And she says that he couldn't afford it and <laughs> tells him it'll be $300. And I'm thinking you should have asked for more. It. I'm thinking yeah. you should have gone at least the full thousand based on the looks of this penthouse. That's what I'm thinking. She says 300 and he's like, done. Now we can just relax and enjoy the whole night. That is interesting because I've been told by a sex worker like when Mm -hmm. we were in college and she was like 500 for a night of sleeping with someone. But she was doing more like a seeking arrangements type thing where she was like Uh, – it wasn't like she was going in, having sex, going back somewhere, having sex with someone else. Like it was like, okay, we're going on a date. We're having sex. Yeah, more of a long-term type of thing. Yeah. Vivian decides to go into the bathroom. She's like, oh, that champagne really got to me. I'll be out in a minute. And he's like, comes in. I I, I was like, okay, he's sir. He's like, what? Didn't hear you. I want to say that she didn't fully close the door when yeah. she went into the restroom. Yeah. So he like peeks his head in and she immediately like hides something behind her back. And he's like, what is that? 
what is that? And like <laughs> grabs it from her hand. It's dental floss. Mm-hmm. Before he realizes it's dental floss, he's literally like, you're out, you're done. I don't want any drugs in here. You should get your things. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes and she's like, I had all those strawberry seeds and you shouldn't neglect your gums. Like she feels really embarrassed. Like it sucks. Like it feels just like, um, yeah, you know, denigrating. And he apologizes. He gives her the floss back and he says that very few people surprise him. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, you're lucky because most people shock the hell out of me. I really liked the the moment where she's like, you shouldn't neglect your gums. I was like, you are adorable. Yeah. So the next thing we know, Vivian is lying on the ground. She's watching TV. She's drinking. She's eating some snacks, having a little carpet picnic. What is Edward doing? He's girl bossing. He's making some calls. (laughs) He's making calls. He's sending emails. Yeah. And uh, she asks if he wants a drink. And he's like, no, I'm high on life, baby. (laughs) She like lays down on the floor and Edward Gets that look in his eye and like moves to the chair closer to her. He gets that look in his eyes and I go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and something animalistic awakens in and me. And me comes out. <laughs> I was going to say that like he should teach men how to do this look, but I don't think he should because it's far too dangerous and they would weaponize it's it. It's dangerous. They would weponize it. And weapons. Yeah. Weapons. So. <laughs> Mass destruction. No man should ever be allowed to watch a Richard Gere rom-com because they will learn things they should not know. Yeah. Just so you guys get the context in the notes, it says, stop giving that look or I swear to God, I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That was exactly how I felt in the moment. <laughs> So, you know, she's watching I Love Lucy. She's laughing and he's, you know, staring at her. She does, you know, see him staring at her and she starts like crawling towards him and running her hand up his pant leg. And then she starts to take off her dress and she leans in and it looks like she's about to kiss him, but she like pulls back and goes and gets a pillow for her knees and then mutes the TV. And she asks what he wants and he's like well what do you do and she says everything but i don't kiss on the mouth and he says neither do i (gasps) later on edward takes a steaming hot shower vivian's wig is on the armchair Mm -hmm. and he sees her sleeping in the bed she has this big gorgeous red hair and he kind of like just takes a second to admire her and then goes and does his um some work at like three in the morning. Yeah. Cause a girl boss never sleeps. A girl boss never <laughs> sleeps. That's not a fucking joke, Christina. Stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I take girl bosses very seriously. I'm sorry. So <laughs> the next morning, Edward, you know, he gets a call from his lawyer Phil. And they're basically talking about like this Morse fact deal. Jason Alexander is called Phil in this, and he's a short kid. Like, it's too much. It's too much for me. (laughs) Yeah. And basically, like, Morse, who is, he owns this like other company that like Edward is trying to buy. He's not going down without a fight. And Philip is like, he wants to meet you face to face, but I don't suggest that you do that. Like, if you say the wrong thing, we could end up in court. But Edward is like, 
Well, the possibility of things going wrong are actually why I enjoy this so much. So please set up a dinner for me. Wow. Yeah. So Viv gets up finally. <laughs> like finally. <laughs> like she sleeps in, whatever. Yeah. And um, he says, good morning. She's like, well, you know, I'll better, I better get out of your hair. It looks like you're busy. But Edward tells her to stay. And oh my God. <laughs> that he ordered the entire breakfast menu because he did not know what she liked. Ladies, a man will never. He's never going to do it. <laughs> never. 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 Never ever. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I would be freaking out. So yeah. she's like, oh, my God. Um, but she doesn't say that. She's a very cool gal. Yeah, very cool, calm, collected. Mm-hmm. She's like, how did you sleep? Um, he's like, oh, I slept a little on the couch. I was working. And she's like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, well, I buy companies that are in financial difficulty. And I take the company and I sell them off for parts. And the company that I'm working on a deal with right now, I am buying for a bargain of $1 billion. She's like, well, you must be really smart. She says that she only got to 11th grade in school, but he says like, I got all the way. I'm sure he has like a master's or whatever. Um, And she's like, wow, your parents must be really proud of you. But he doesn't respond. Oh my God, what's going on there? He has a lot of issues. The baggage. Yes, the baggage. It's checked. <laughs> it's stowed in the overhead compartment. <laughs> so in the bathroom, you know, Vivian is asking him about this deal and she's like, well, you don't actually have a billion dollars, do you? And he's like, no, it comes from like banks and investors and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, it's kind of like if you steal a car and then you sell all the parts. And he's like, yeah, exactly. It literally is that. Yeah. And I just want to say, just because something is legal doesn't make it right. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I, I don't want to paint him in a bad light because I actually think like he is a pretty upstanding man. I think it's very complicated, right? But it is fucked up. Yeah. That there is just a, a you know, a double – there's a dichotomy with everything, right? Like mm-hmm. white moms who do yoga who are pretty affluent and they smoke weed. It's yeah. like – this really takes the edge off. I feel, you know, more fresh, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like maybe, um, you know, an African-American father who's smoking mm-hmm. weed. And then he's like arrested for yeah. having a very small amount of weed on him. And that shit is fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. So all I'm saying is people might steal cars, but he is like ruining what probably several hundred employees lives mm-hmm. when he buys a company and then sells it off for parts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Edward gets this call from Philip letting him know that he set up a meeting with Morse and he tells him that his grandson will also be coming in. Apparently Morse is grooming his grandson to take over the company. So Philip suggests that Edward go with a date because he wants to keep it casual, keep it light. So he goes to the bathroom where you know, Vivian is just rocking out to Prince in the tub. Yeah. And he, like, watches her. And he is so smitten. Yeah. He's so smitten already. She finally notices him. And she's like, do you love Prince? And I think he says something, like, with all my heart. Yeah. Or, like. Something like that. And Ed is like, you know, I'm going to be in town until Sunday. Would you like to spend the week with me um, as an employee 
to be at my beck and call. So she tells him that she would love to be his beck and call girl, but he's rich and good looking and could get a million girls for free. And he's like, no, I want a professional. So she tells him it's going to be $4,000. They haggle for a little bit and he does agree to $3,000. So Edward then gives Vivian some cash and suggests that she go get some new clothes because they're going to be going out in the evenings. Ooh. Yeah, and on his way out, I will out, never say no. No, I to will a shopping spree. literally take any excuse to a buy an outfit, b dress up. But yes, she gets the money to go get some new clothes, and on his way out, she tells Edward that she would have stayed for two thousand, and he's like, "I would have paid four thousand. And I'm like, "Give her four thousand. Yeah, you're fucking swimming in cash. Yeah. But I guess he does buy her, like, thousands of dollars worth of clothes. Yeah, yeah I mean. So she she makes that money back. It's none of my business. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the repartee they have, it's very fun to oh. watch. And she's like. The tete-a-tete. You know, yeah. She's like, you know, I'm going to treat you so good. You're not going to want to let me go. And he's like, $3,000 for six days. Yeah, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I am going to let you go. <laughs> I, I will be letting you go. Yes. For sure. Confirmed. Yeah. So once Vivian's alone, she does call Kit, and Kit is like, okay, so what's up? Like, is he sick? Is he twisted? Is he ugly? What's wrong with him? And Vivian's like, nothing. And when Kit uh, hears that Vivian won't get the money until the end of the week, she's like, oh, that's what's wrong with him. Then Vivian says that he already paid for her for last night and that she's going to leave some at the front desk for her to pick up. So she asks um, Kit where she should go shopping, and Kit is like, oh, Rodeo Drive, baby. Hell yeah. It's not my vibe. Not where I would shop, personally. I've never done it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she does strut down Rodeo Drive. She looks at all the fancy stores and ends up going into this boutique where immediately upon walking in, she's getting all these, like, judgy looks from the employees. And one of them asks if she needs help. And she's like, oh, no, I'm just browsing. You know, I'm looking for something, like, elegant, conservative, and ends up, like, picking something out that's on the mannequin and asks how much the dress is. And the shop girl is like, no, it wouldn't fit you. I'm like, it absolutely would. She's, like, beautiful and very thin. Yes. Shall we do this this little moment, this iconic scene? Oh, yeah. Let's have a little moment. Do you yeah. want to be um, Julia Roberts? Sure. I can be Julia Roberts. Okay. I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Look, I've got money to spend in here. I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. Do-do-do. Oh, I don't know what the music is. I'm just is. thinking of Romy and Michelle when Romy's like, yeah. man, Michelle, like, <laughs> it's so sad. Like, when she gets rejected like that, it just makes me really feel sad. <laughs> yeah, Vivian sadly strolls down the street. She wasn't able to shop. Unrelated. Me and Christina should be Romy and Michelle. I would be Romy. Yeah, obviously. I would be Michelle. <laughs> Hear me out. Phil? Sandy? Could be Alan Cumming? 
But in that case, you should be, you should be Michelle because no, Sandy I'm and not Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> I'm not Michelle. Or he could be um, the Justin Theroux cowboy. <laughs> If anyone wants to be Heather Mooney, hit us up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's 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 a sad moment, but I'm also like this movie. Okay, obviously this movie is it's a lot about money, it's a lot about status and class and stuff. But money, it, honey. Yeah, it, it is kind it's of not like that time. <laughs> it is kind of like a capitalist uh, dreamscape fairy tale. Well, yeah, because it's like, oh, I don't have money. Now I ha- like now I have money. I'm experiencing having money, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, to be rich out of your ass. <laughs> All the like fun parts and what are seen as like the romantic gesture parts are money motivated like it's the shopping spree that we see later on, or it's like when he flies her in the private jet to the opera and like all this kind of stuff. So you know, in this world, the saddest thing that could happen. You're not allowed to spend money in a store. I mean, I think there are some gestures when, you know, they're alone or like Mm. at the very end of the movie where it's not money involved. Mm. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I just, this uh, movie toes an interesting line between, Mm. for the most part, I think that Edward is very respectful of Vivian and what she does. Mm. Like, I don't think he ever really tries to make her feel bad about being um, a sex worker or mm-hmm. like tries to make her feel shitty right but at the same time when they're in bed and he's like you know you could do so much more it's like okay but like if she wants to that's cool mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I just yeah. don't want it's easy to be like oh he's infantilizing her but I really don't think he does for a majority of the movie mm-hmm. maybe in some more intimate scenes where he's like oh you could be so much more you could do so much more like that feels a little infantilizing but Mm -hmm. it also doesn't seem like vivian wants to be a sex worker no yeah and that's that's the thing because and we kind of touched on this earlier but with people who are sex workers there are some that really enjoy it and there's some that like that's what they want to do and like they feel really empowered with it and there are others that do not enjoy it or do feel unsafe or have been in unsafe situations and maybe that wasn't a path that they wanted or that they maybe it was a path that they were forced into so it's hard it's never going to be possible for a movie to encapsulate all the different experiences of sex workers because it's so yeah person to person it's so dependent because it's such a industry that has so many variants variances mm-hmm. in it but yeah there are some moments that i think are really progressive in terms of their view of sex work and then others that are really not it kind of goes back and forth between the two. But also, I'm not one to speak for, like, what is good representation for sex workers because I'm not one. Yeah, same. But from an outsider perspective, that's that's what I observed, at least. Yeah, let us know your opinions, please. Yeah. So Vivian walks away from the store. She feels defeated, going back to the hotel. And, of course, she walks in and immediately Barney – A.K.A. Oh, my God. Hector Elizondo. Yes. You might recognize him as the bodyguard from Princess Diaries. Yes. Is like the manager of the hotel. I'm holding my wall right now. I love him so much. (laughs) Yeah. So not a great entrance by him into the Mm -hmm. movie, but he's like, you know, are you a guest? And she's like, I'm staying with Edward. And then she realizes that she forgot her key. 
she calls over Dennis to kind of corroborate that she did come in with Edward Lewis. Yeah, he's the elevator attendant. Mm -hmm. And he does corroborate the story. And then Barney's like, please come into my office to speak with her. Yeah. It's like, yikes. So he pulls her into his office and basically tells her that things that go on in other hotels do not happen here. And every guest must be signed in. But since Mr. Lewis is such a special customer, they view him as a friend. As friends, they're willing to overlook this since she's family, since she's his... Niece. uh, I'm his niece. She's like my uncle. Yeah, I'm his niece. And... He's like, and when Edward checks out, I assume that you have no other uncles staying here and we shan't be seeing you again. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. So then Barney's like, okay, now that that's sorted, while you're in the hotel, you're going to need to dress more appropriately. And she's like, well, that's what I was trying to do, but nobody will help me. And she pulls out like all the cash that Edward has given her. And she's like, I tried to get a dress. No one would help me. They were so rude. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is like a really fucked up moment and it's really sad and it's just sad. It makes me sad that like she couldn't get help in a store because she Mm -hmm. didn't look fancy enough. Yeah. Like that's fucked. It is for sure. Don't try to make someone who maybe makes less than you feel shitty about themselves. Absolutely. So Barney does then pick up the phone and he calls the clothing department at another store and tells them that he'll be sending over a very special guest. So please be prepared, which is really nice. That is nice that he does that. Yeah. Hector Elizondo. Oh my gosh. Love him. So we cut to, you know, Edward's girl boss presentation (laughs) and – Old man Morris just got the inside track on a $350 million contract. He's going to build destroyers for the Navy. Phil is pissed. And Edward is like, you know, who do we know on the Senate Appropriations Committee? We can get this blocked. The military won't spend that much without going through the appropriations level first. I, like, literally could not give less of a shit about the business side of this movie. They could have, like, simplified <laughs> it to a much simpler, like, deal. I don't care about it at all. You're like, the Destroyers? I don't even remember that. What the fuck? I'm like, what's Julia Roberts doing? What clothes is she wearing? Because that's what I care about. <laughs> it's like, where can I get that polka dot fit she wears to the polo match? Yeah. I was like, I'm here for the romance and the outfits, not business talk. <laughs> So Vivian makes her way to this store where she is met by Bridget, a sales associate, and she asks what, you know, her plans are while she's in town, and Vivian says she has a nice dinner to go to. And Bridget's like, well, you'll need a cocktail dress then. And they head upstairs to try some on, and Vivian's like, by the way, like, Edward isn't actually my uncle. And she's like, yeah, they never are. So Edward calls Vivian in the hotel room, and He tells her never to pick up the phone, and he tells her that he'll be waiting in the hotel lobby at 7.45 p.m. sharp, and she asks where he's taking her, and he's like, the Voltaire, it's very elegant. So Viv comes back to Barney, and she's like, I have a problem. I need you to teach me about fine dining. So later that night, Edward arrives at the hotel looking for Vivian when Barney approaches and says that... Miss Vivian is waiting for you in the lounge. 
And when Edward goes over to the lounge, he's like, I don't see her. Where is she? He doesn't even recognize Uh. her until she turns around to face him in this gorgeous off-the-shoulder black cocktail dress. Her hair is in a stunning 90s blowout. Like, she looks incredible. So they go to dinner at Voltaire. Morris, David, his grandson, and they all sit down. Vivian's like, I'm going to use the water closet. (laughs) And when she gets back, like, she's fucked. (laughs) Edward has, like, ordered the pate, I'm assuming. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to eat it. She's like, I only know what fork to use with the salad. (laughs) And she's, like, very much struggling. But Morse is like, oh, don't worry. Like, I never could figure out those different utensils. And he just picks it up with his hands. And then she picks Mm. it up with her hands. And it's a very sweet moment. They're just like... You know, we don't have to pretend to be anything else. We Mm -hmm. could just eat our food and enjoy ourselves. So um, Mr. Morris asks Ed what he would do if he got a hold of his company. And he's like, well, I would break it up and sell off the pieces. He's a very straightforward businessman. Yeah. And Mr. Morris is like, well, I don't like the idea of you burning down, you know, four decades of work into a garage sale. Yeah. Morse asks about Edward's father, and Edward is like, he wasn't quite the bastard everyone says he was, and he says that he has a franchise on that. So Mr. Morse is like, you know, does that make your dad proud? And Edward says he doubts it, but it doesn't matter because he passed away. Yeah. So Mr. Morse and Vivian are like, you know, I'm really sorry. And Edward asks why Morse asked about the meeting, and Mr. Morse says that He wants him to leave his company alone. It's so convoluted. Edward is like, you know, I own 10 million shares of your stock. Um, Mr. Morse asks to buy back that stock. And Edward is like, you don't even have the money to do that. And David is like, you know, we will after we build the destroyers. And Edward says that actually that project is now buried in the appropriations committee. So Mr. Morse doesn't flinch. And he says he is playing hardball. And his grandson, he can't keep his cool. He storms off. (laughs) But Moore says, Vivian, good luck. And he tells Edward to watch out because he is going to tear him apart. So that went swimmingly. Wow. Yeah. We head back to the hotel where Vivian is very surprised to find Edward sitting like at the door – looking out onto the terrace she's like oh my god i thought you never came out here and he's like i'm just at the door but you know she asks if he's still thinking about dinner because obviously he's not in a great mood the problem is that he actually likes morris and he's like well that's irrelevant because i do not get emotionally involved it's just business and she's like yeah i get it that's why i don't kiss it's too emotional it's too personal and he's like, yeah, I guess we are similar creatures. We both screw people for money. Wow. So she tells him that she's sorry about his father and asks when he died and if he misses him. And Edward tells her that he died ve- wow, very recently. Yeah, He died last month, um, but they hadn't spoken in 14 and a half years. That is very heavy. Yeah. So – uh, Vivian then asks if he wants to talk about it, and 
he says no. She suggests that they put on movies and just veg out, lay like broccoli. And I really love that line, lay like broccoli. Mm -hmm. Like my mom always used to say, like, if we watch too much TV, she's like, you're just vegetating, like you're vegetating (laughs) in front of the TV. And Edward suggests that they do that tomorrow and that he is going to go downstairs for a while. So later that night, you know, Edward is still gone. So Vivian calls the front desk and asks if they know where he is. And the elevator attendant, Dennis, actually escorts her to a ballroom where Edward is playing piano. And I did read this is Richard Gere playing because he doesn't yes, to play piano. and he composed it. Oh, I my was like, God. <laughs> Richard Gere sweeping me off my feet. Sweeping me off my feet. Unknowingly. Yep. And uh, Vivian goes up to him and she's like, I didn't know you played. And he says, I only play for strangers. And there's like a bunch of like employees, like men just kind of like hanging around in the ballroom listening to him play. And she's like, well, I was getting lonely upstairs by myself. So he's like, gentlemen, if uh, you could leave us, please. Thank you. So once the room is cleared out, Vivian asks if people always do what he tells them to do. And then, like a freaking smoothie, he pulls her in front of the piano, opens her robe. She's just wearing this, like, black satin nightgown underneath. And he, like, lifts her on top of the piano. And what I really like about this part is that there's no scoring. There's no music. All you can hear is just, like, whenever she bumps the keys, like, when he's moving her around. And uh, he tries to kiss her, but she, like, leans back every time and then eventually lies down fully on the piano and he starts like kissing her body it's very steamy we just hear like the clunk of the piano keys oh my gosh very steamy scene so in the morning edward approaches her as he goes off to work hands her a credit card and says go shopping again And she tells him that the reason she only bought one dress was because shopping was not as fun as she expected and that people were mean to her. So what does he do, Christina? He says not – Tell us what he does. Not on my freaking watch. So he takes her, grabs her hand, takes her down to Rodeo Drive. They go into a store. He immediately goes up to the manager who is – what's his name? I don't know. He's in like a million things. Um. Larry Miller, that's who it is, mm, who okay. is also in Princess Diaries. He is Paolo, and he's also Kat and uh, Bianca Stratford's dad in 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, my God. You okay. may not recognize him because he has hair in this movie. I actually <laughs> think this is another moment where you saw the movie and I was I was not seeing the movie. Oh, my gosh. Because I would have fucking recognized that. I would have fucking realized that was Cat Trafford's father. Oh, my God. Yeah, we have like a couple moments with him. Um, he's the store manager. Edward introduces himself and he's like, excuse me, sir. Do you have anything in this shop as beautiful as this young woman here? And he's like, yes. I mean, like not not as beautiful, but as beautiful as she would like. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to need some more people helping us because we're going to be spending an obscene amount of money and I'm going to need some more people sucking up to us pronto. Yeah. we. Did, I did not see that. Oh my God. The manager's <laughs> I'm like, so pissed. everybody come over, all these shop girls, they like flood Vivian with all these clothing options. 
And the manager goes up to Edward and he's like, so are we talking like a profane amount of money or like really offensive? And Edward goes, really offensive. And the manager's like, I like him so much and walks away. We have like this little mini montage of Vivian being presented with all these clothes. And then the manager goes back to Edward to check in and and Edward's like, actually, we're going to need some major sucking up right now. And so the manager starts to compliment Edward. He's like, not only are you powerful, but you're incredibly handsome. He's like, not me, her. So the manager goes over to start complimenting Vivian. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's not even about like the the money or like the spending of it. For me, what's really enticing about this is just he's like, I will not let this woman be disrespected. Yeah. I will make sure that she has a great experience and that she is treated well. And I'm like, stop seducing me, Richard Gere. Stop it Richard right Gere, now. Richard Gere, you're saying <laughs> that when I go to Whole Foods, like they're not going to be mean to me and people aren't going to be like rude to me when I check out and ask to use my coupons. You're going to demand that I be Richard respected. Gere? You're going to demand that I be respected when I walk into Aritzia and the shop girls are rude to me. Oh my God. Did you experience that? Yeah. Because I've experienced that. Girls, they're so, they're so mean. mean. Why are they like that? Is that their training? They are so fucking – you know, when I, I – so I went there with – you can bleep their name out. Oh, yeah. They did not talk to me. I was there. I was there as well. You're fucking joking. <laughs> I just remember that being a traumatizing experience. Yeah, I was like, I hate were, this. They were all over – Not a single word. To us, to us, yes. Yeah. Not a one. Yeah. Not a one. Very devastating. Yeah. So I'm going to need – a Richard Gear to accompany me the next time I think about stepping foot in Aritzia. <laughs> when we get like rich and famous, when we're like out there, we're like, yeah, let like we're gonna go into Aritzia and they're gonna be like, oh my god, is that movies that raised us? And we're gonna be like, you work on commission? Big mistake. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> exactly. Where's Rachel? <laughs> if you've ever been yeah. personally victimized by an Aritzia shop. Assistant, please DM us immediately. Please raise your hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Edward then heads down to the office because Philip has called him about, like, the Morris deal. Meanwhile, we get a lovely shopping montage. You know, pretty woman plays. Um, Vivian is shopping. She orders pizza to the boutique. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people, someone's like, who ordered pizza, but it's like for Vivian, so they don't care. Yeah. Um, she compliments this guy's tie. She's like, Oh, Edward would love that. And he takes it off his <laughs> neck and gives it to her. And when she's all dressed up, she goes into the shop from the other day. Should we redo the month the uh, scene? Yeah. Do you want to do do you want to be Julia Roberts? Sure. Hi. Do you remember me? No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me. You work on commission, right? Yes. Big mistake. Big, huge. I have to go shopping now. Bye. I think I have too much of like a New England accent to, to pull <laughs> off this character. I'm like, big mistake. Big mistake. Huge. Huge. <laughs> I have to go shopping now. <laughs> But it's it's an amazing moment. We love it. We love it's. I mean, it's the iconic moment of this movie. Yeah. So then we head to the office. 
Phil and Ed girl bossing away. They come out of their meeting and Phil is like, you know, you were right about Morse. He actually mortgaged everything he owns to get a like a loan from Plymouth Trust. And he says that since Edward is such a valued customer at Plymouth Trust, he obviously has the upper hand. All he needs to do to kill any loan is call the bank. Mm -hmm. And Edward is just like, yeah, you can tell he's conflicted. There's something going on in his inner life. And Philip is like, you're not giving him a chance to get away, are you? And Edward grabs all of these cups that are on the table and starts stacking them and tells Phil that when he was a kid, he really loved building blocks, but they don't build or make anything in this company. And Phil is like, we make money, honey. Money, 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 money. (laughs) Money, money, money. And we've been working on this deal for a year, so you better call the bank. (laughs) He literally says exactly that. It's insane. When we read the script, we couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. Back in the hotel room, Vivian waits naked. Yeah, that's right. (gasps) Buck naked. Edward walks in and she's like, how was your day? He compliments her tie and she's like, oh, I got it for you. So later, Ed and Vivian, I don't know why I keep saying Ed, Edward, Edward and Vivian are taking a bath together and he talks to her about his family and basically his whole backstory is that his dad was super, super rich and his mom was a music teacher. Dad left her for another woman and took all of his money with him. Uh, and then his mom died. A lot of trauma in this man. Absolutely, yeah. And he was very angry with his father. And apparently it cost him $10,000 in therapy to just be able to say that that sentence. He's like, says it over and over and over again. I'm really angry with my father. Really angry with my father. He's just so playful <laughs> in the bath. He's like so vulnerable. He's so vulnerable. Oh my gosh. And she's just like, Gently, like, washing his chest with a washcloth. Ladies, a man will never be that vulnerable with you in the bath. I got <laughs> – okay. Ladies, I'm telling you a secret. I'm going to – I'm going to light some candles and I'm going to – I'm going to seduce Phil into a bath and see what happens and I'll report back. Yeah, let us know next week how it went. <laughs> well, I will. So – Edward tells Vivian that his father was actually the president of the third company that he ever took over, and he bought it up, and he sold it piece by piece. He said, revenge body. Whoa. (laughs) And Vivian is like, well, that must have made you very happy. And he, like, holds Vivian's hands, like, her hand between his hands. I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? And she's like, Uh. you know – My leg is 44 inches from hip to toe, and she wraps both of her legs around him, and she's like, so that's 88 inches of therapy for the bargain price of $3,000. And I was like, the chemistry, the the banter between these two, oh my god. I'm feeling horny just thinking about it. (laughs) And then we go to the least horny place in the world, a polo bench. If you're a fan of movies that are true stories, I've got a new podcast recommendation for you. It's called Based on a True Story, and it is the podcast that compares Hollywood with history. 
You'll learn from historians, authors, TV and film consultants, and sometimes even the real people the movies are based on as they separate fact from fiction in your favorite movies. Hear how much of the gangster movie Donnie Brasco happened from the real Donnie Brasco himself. Listen to the real history behind Downton Abbey from Lady Carnarvon. Laugh along with the real guys that the comedy movie Tag was based on. Get some extra stories from the production set from the historical consultant on the movie The Alamo. Those are just a few examples. So when you're ready to learn how much of your favorite movie really happened, subscribe to Based on a True Story in your podcast app of choice or find it at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Once again, that's basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Yes, we are at the polo match in L.A. He introduces her to some socialite ladies. They're like, uh, oh, you're the flavor of the month. Like, mm. Edward is our most eligible bachelor. And she says that she's not trying to land Edward. She's just using him for sex. And they're like, Ooh, oh, my God. How scandalous. Scandalous. Vivian goes back over to Edward, and Edward introduces her to Phil's wife. And Phil's like, oh, I'm going to go get a drink. And his wife is like, oh, I see like this um, politician or like some random person. And she's like a total sh- schmoozer. So yeah, she goes off to talk to them. And before he leaves, though, Phil says that Senator Adams is here. Vivian is like, Edward, these are your friends? <laughs> like, what? And Edward is like, yeah, I, s- I spend time with them. And she's like, oh. No wonder you came looking for me. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah, they seem awful. Mm-hmm. They do. So the match goes on. It's well, it's happening. It's whatever. And then it's time for everybody to go stomp the divots in the grass. And everyone shuffles over to go stomp these divots back into the grass. And, you know, Phil's wife and... Edward are watching Vivian and Phil's wife is like, oh, my God, Vivian is so sweet. Where did you find her? And he's like, nine, six, seven, babe, and strolls over to Vivian. They like laugh and they stomp out the divots together and they're smiling and they're hugging. It's very cute. And afterwards, David Morse, the grandson, who I guess is like playing in the polo match yeah goes up to vivian and he's like oh my god i love your hat it's so good to see you why don't you come over and meet my horse damn yeah so she goes over to the horse and phil is keeping his beady little eyes on him oh yeah oh yes philip is like so edward how did you meet vivian and he's like you know i was asking for directions and edward is like mm. sorry phil's like okay so what does she do? And Edward is like, you know, saleswoman. She's a saleswoman. Why do you want to know? And Phil tells him that he's noticed a difference in him this week. And he's wondering if the girl isn't the difference, especially when she's over there talking to David Morse. Edward looks over, sees them mm. talking. A little green-eyed monster yeah. comes over him. Absolutely. Jealousy. Jealousy, jealousy. (laughs) Exactly. Hell yeah. yeah. So Edward is like, she's a hooker from the Hollywood Boulevard. 
a little hateful to bring that up. Well, no, he he brings it up because Phil thinks that she's a spy. Like that's why she's talking to David. You're so right. And he's like, no, I can't. She's not a spy. But I think that he could have said something different because he knows. Yes. How Phil? Like I do think that part of what he said was because she was talking to David. Yes. So Edward tells him where they actually met, and um, Philip is like. You are the only billionaire who goes looking for a bargain basement streetwalker. Really hateful. Really hateful, yeah. So Edward tells him that he's sorry he told him and approaches the senator who thanks him for the info about, like, Morse doing the the Navy ships. Mm -hmm. So disgusting Phil goes over to Vivian. Disgusting. Truly, like, a nasty, disgusting man. And he asks if she's having a nice time and says, oh, this must be a nice change from the Hollywood Boulevard. And she's like immediately super caught off guard. And he's like, yeah, Edward told me, but, you know, it'll be our little secret. And uh, maybe sometime after Edward leaves town, we can get together. And he like touches her shoulder. It's so gross. She's so uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. We're all uncomfortable. It's gross. And Vivian gets visibly upset and kind of starts to tear up a little bit. As would anyone who's yeah. invited to a really cool event and then gets accosted. Mm-hmm. So they get back to the penthouse and Edward is like, are you all right? Because he has no idea what, what's yeah. you know transpired. And she's like, I don't know why you had me get all dressed up if you were just going to tell everyone that I was a hooker. And she says that she would have just worn her own clothes because then, you know, if someone comes up to her in her own clothes, she can handle it. She's prepared. He apologizes to Vivian for Phil's behavior and says that he is like his attorney. He's known him for a decade. And he got paranoid about her being a spy. She's like, you can't just pass me around to your friends like a toy. And he's like, well... Just to remind you, like, you are one of my employees. And Vivian's like, you are not my pimp. You don't own me. I say who and I say when. Yeah. And he yells that he refuses to spend the next three days fighting with her. And he said he was sorry and he meant it. And that's the end of it. Very intense. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry that I ever met you. And she has never had anyone make her feel as cheap as he did today. And he says, that's hard to believe. So Vivian gets her stuff together. She asks for her money. She just, you know, wants to get out of there. Edward pulls out his wallet, leaves the money on the bed, and she walks right past it, doesn't take it, just walks to the elevator. And um, Edward notices that she didn't take the money. Vivian goes to wait for the elevator, but Edward does follow after her, and he apologizes and says that he wasn't prepared to answer questions about them, and he was stupid and cruel, and he didn't mean it, and he asks if she'll stay the week. Wow. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to hear him actually own up. It's so hard for someone to admit that they've been cruel, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I've done it. Not just anyone, but, like, I've done that before to be, like, to say something that's harsh mm-hmm. and that you know is cruel because, like, it'll get the person back as much as they hurt you. Mm-hmm. But, like, to actually be able to forgive that is such a great, mm-hmm. like, ability. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 
And especially because you would kind of expect a man in Edward's position, you know, he's a very powerful man. He's a very wealthy man. He is a straight white man, like Mm -hmm. kind of on top of the world. (laughs) You would expect him to be an extremely egotistical, prideful, difficult man to deal with, but he actually very much owns up the wrong that he's done. He actually cares that he has hurt this woman and wants to make it right. He does. You know, he asks if she'll still stay the week. When she asks why, he says, because he saw her talking to David Morris and he didn't like it. Oh my God. And she's like, well, we were just talking. And he's like, well, I didn't like it. And she tells him that he hurt her and she tells him not to do it again and goes back inside with him. Wow. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of rare to see like in a rom-com, like a fight like this halfway through and it not be like the conflict before the reunion. Yeah. Yeah. I think sure. it's nice to kind of have this little like mini like rise in conflict in the middle before we start building back up again. I agree. And this is the arc that I want for um what's the the older son's name in succession, not Connor. Kendall. This is the arc I want for Kendall. <laughs> And I, I will never receive. <laughs> no, I will never receive it. You will never get this arc from Kendall Roy. No, no. It would be really cool. It would be really great. It would be cool. Maybe Jeremy Strong will star in a rom com of this style one day. But Kendall Roy, maybe one day. No, <laughs> Jeremy, if you're listening, you know, maybe one day I'll see you out there. Yeah, we'll be cast opposite each other. Yeah, realize our love. No, he's happily married. <laughs> Anyways, so that night, Vivian and Edward have this really beautiful moment where they lay in bed together and she tells him about how bad her taste in men is. I didn't see the scene. Oh and my gosh. how her mom used to tease her and would say that if there was a bum in a 50-mile radius, chances are Vivian would be attracted to him. And she says that's how she ended up in L.A. following a guy, wound up alone. She tried working some other jobs, but she couldn't make rent and she was – too ashamed to go home. And then she met Kit, who made being a hooker just sound, you know, so great. So one day she did it and she cried the whole time. But then she got some regulars and he tells her that she could be so much more. I'm like, sure. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, people could, will be offended either way, but like, yeah. She could be more if she wants to at the same time. I don't think less of her for doing what she's doing. Yeah. Um, It's like very much a personal choice. Yeah. People have shitty jobs that they don't like all the time. Some people work for, you know, military contractors and they're like, yeah, I'm making a lot of money, but I feel like a shitty person. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of facets to the morality of different um, roles. Yeah. But she says that if people put you down enough, then you start to believe it. And Edward calls her a very bright very special woman, and she says that it's always easier to uh, believe the bad stuff. Like, don't you agree? Yeah, and I mean, with with this moment, it also, I think, is important to think about, like, the way that sex workers are perceived, and that's a big part of their experience. Yeah, like, what makes the job actually really dangerous is because they are not respected and they um, don't get a lot of the same rights that other workers do definitely and just the public negative perception of sex workers like whether or not she 
likes the job or any sex worker likes their job, they are still going to experience like that negative outlook from society and they will put you down and, Mm -hmm. you know, they will make you think that you're not worthy, which is really fucked up. It's really fucked up. Absolutely. So the next day, we're back at the office. More girl bossing is ensuing. Classic. Yeah. Ed comes out of his Morse meeting with Phil and Phil is like, did you sign the papers? And Edward is like, no, not yet, but I got time. I'll be back in the morning. And then he asks his secretary about some tickets that he wanted sent to the hotel. And Phil's like, oh, where are you going? And Edward says that he has a date tonight. And Phil is like, is it with the hooker? And Edward just says, be careful. Mm. Watch your mouth, Phil. Jason Alexander. Shut the trap. <laughs> so at the hotel, Vivian emerges from the bedroom in an incredible oh my gosh. red dress. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. The costume designer had to fight for it to be red. They wanted a black really? dress. Yeah, they wanted her in a that black dress. That wouldn't have made no. – she would have looked like she was going to a funeral. Exactly. Yeah. Red, it's completely iconic. It's one of the most famous like movie gowns of all time. Oh, wow. And also, like, the color red, if we're looking at, like, the symbolism, like, it's a very, like, fiery, it's a romantic color, it's a passionate Mm -hmm. color. Like, it makes total sense for her to wear red in this. Absolutely agree. He pulls out this, like, large jewelry box and tells her not to get excited because it's only on loan and opens the box to reveal this amazing, gorgeous necklace I'm assuming it's rubies and diamonds. Yeah, like I think so. All heart-shaped rubies and just like the biggest, brightest stones you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so she like looks closer at it. He snaps the box closed on her fingers <laughs> and she's like, ah, and she laughs. It's like that was improvised. It was, yeah. A beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. So they get into the elevator and she asks where they're going and he says it's a surprise. And she tells him – you know, if I forget to tell you later, I had a really good night. Oh, that line was so cute. I want to like use that line on somebody in real life. I know. <laughs> I agree. We also read that, you know, this necklace is real. It was on loan. Oh, it my God. It costs, I think, $250,000. Mm-hmm. And there was like an unarmed guard. Yes. With it. Yeah. Who stood behind. He was standing behind, behind Gary, Gary Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> Just like. All right, if anyone's stealing this. And I'm like, those are blood diamonds. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So then we have a date montage, and Edward takes Vivian to a private plane, a little private jet, and he's like, well, we wouldn't want to go all the way to San Francisco in a limo. And they fly off. And where do they go? To the opera. They are ushered to their box seats. Vivian is just completely in awe. She tries to get him to look over the ledge, but he's like, no, 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 I've already seen it. Still very afraid of heights. My man is afraid of heights. Yeah, yeah. Like legitimately. He's afraid of heights because he's afraid of falling in love. I know. (laughs) I know. Literally he is. It's like fucking tragic. Yeah. And uh, she asks, you know, why he gets box seats. He's so afraid of heights. And he's like, because it's the best. And the man must have the best at all times. 
So since the opera is in Italian, she then asks how she's supposed to understand it. And he says, you will. Music is very powerful. So Edward says, people's reactions to opera the first time they see it is very dramatic. They either love it or they hate it. If they love it, they will always love it. And if they don't, they may learn to appreciate it, but it will never become part of their soul. What a beautiful quote. It makes me want to like go to the opera. Have you ever been to the opera? Not since I was like a kid. Yeah, I don't think I have either. We should go to the like the Met. Yeah. Because I think you it. can get actual reasonable tickets if you're mm -hmm. under like 30. We can sit in the back. I don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I would just love to experience seeing that tier, that, you know. Yeah like grade A opera experience. It's so moonstruck too. Yeah. So romantic. Mm -hmm. So the opera begins. It's this beautiful show. Vivian is like enthralled by it. She's like leaning over. She's holding on to like the edge of the box. She even ends up like crying at the end. And Edward, of course, is like watching her the whole time. It's very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. And at the end, when the lights come up, everybody's applauding. The woman in the box next to them asks Vivian how she liked the show. And she says, it was so good. I almost peed my pants. And she's like, <laughs> what? And Edward's like, she said she liked it more than Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> nice save. Nice save. <laughs> great. Great one, Richard Gere. Yeah. They get back to the hotel and they play chess together and they're having the time of their lives. And Edward is like, let's finish tomorrow. You know, I, I got to go to work tomorrow. And Vivian's like, take the day off. What? Excuse me? <laughs> but then he's like, I do own the company. You are the CEO. <laughs> Next scene. Huge, huge twin tower shot. Yeah. And you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. History. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Like not to dwell on the shot, but it is pretty crazy to realize since this movie was made in 1990, like mm -hmm. what a landmark the Twin Towers were for the, the generation before us. Yeah, definitely. So we see Edward and Vivian and they walk in the park together She's like, oh, I'm hungry. Let's get some snap dogs. And he's like, what the fuck? What's a snap dog? <laughs> and I'm like, papaya dog queen. <laughs> yeah. He's and, the East Coast boy. Yeah. They sit on a blanket together um, under this tree in the grass and Edward reads Shakespeare to her. Do you know what play it is? <laughs> it's literally because I paused to be like, what is he reading to her? Mm -hmm. It's called Shakespeare quotations. He's just reading quotes. <laughs> Respect gone. <laughs> Respect gone. They couldn't have picked, like, Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream. Romeo and Juliet. Cliche, yeah. I know. Yeah, but no, just a book of Hamlet? Shakespeare quotes. Macbeth? I don't know. <laughs> There's so many options. He has so yeah. many plays. Mm -hmm. Then they eat at a diner, very casual. Mm -hmm. And on the way home, Vivian rests her head in his shoulder in the car. Yeah. So that night, Vivian is wearing this, like, gorgeous, long, white, satin nightgown. And I was like, I need to invest in more nightgowns is what I'm learning after watching this movie. Because it's such a simple way to just feel expensive, you know? Like, it's like you're lounging, but you're in a nightgown. So it's, like, kind of sexy. 
Anyways, those were my thoughts at this moment. But she comes out of the bathroom in this nightgown, and Edward is sitting up in bed, but he's asleep. So she goes over to him, and she kisses her finger and touches it to his lips. And then she kisses his cheek. And then she kisses his lips. And man is awoken very abruptly from sleep. (laughs) My man jolts. (laughs) He's like, he jolts. He's like, what? Who, me? Me? And uh, they finally have their first real kiss on the lips. It's a huge moment. We're breaking down those barriers. And, you know, they start to make out. It's very passionate. He, like, lays her down on the bed. And it is implied that they have sex. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, Edward is holding Vivian as they're falling asleep. His eyes are closed. Hers are open. And she just says, I love you. She closes her eyes. He opens his eyes so he's awake. But he doesn't say anything. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Imagine saying I love you only a couple months into dating and your partner doesn't say it back. And by imagine, I mean that happened to me. (laughs) We started dating at the end of May, like beginning of June. And then on, like, I th- I'm i pretty sure it was July 4th because we, like, saw fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I love you. And he was like, but what if you were sane? And <laughs> I was like, I'm not. Um, but then he then you said, I mean, we live together, so, like, yeah. I trapped him. But <laughs> this is what all worked out. Yeah, it's fine now. You didn't, you didn't build him a car and then say I love you and get really upset when he didn't say it back and then – and then uh, he gets into a car crash, and then it's like with another guy, and then the guy leaves town, and then yeah, and then you and go then off we, to Yale, and then he comes back, and then you have an affair with him when he's married, and then both both you, both him, and the other guy show up at Yale, and one of them's like, and that girl away from John me. Tucker must die. Is like, why did you cheat on me, Dean? <laughs> um, no, that that part didn't happen yet. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. The next morning, <laughs> breakfast is served. And Vivian asks what Edward is thinking about, and he's like, well, it's our last night together. And he says he'll be going back to New York, but he would really like to see her again. And he's arranged for her to have an apartment, a car, anything she wants. And she's like, okay, what else? You'll leave money by my bed when you pass through town? And he's like, no, it it wouldn't be like that. It would help you get off the streets. Vivian is not pleased. Yeah. Like, that's not what she asked for. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's feeling like a charity case. Like it, it, it's like a weird response, right? Yeah. So he asks what she sees happening between them. And she says that when she was a little girl, her mom would lock her in the attic when she was bad. And she'd pretend that she was a princess trapped in a tower. And then suddenly a knight on a white horse would come and rescue her. But never – in all the time that she had this dream, did the knight end up coming by and saying, baby, I'll put you up in a great condo? Yeah. Uh, then the phone rings. Phil says, Morris wants to meet with um, Edward. And Edward is like, okay, if he is really caving, I don't want to wait. Have him meet me downtown shortly. And Edward tells Vivian he has to, to go out, but... He wants her to understand that he heard everything she said, but right now this is all he's capable of. Which I think 
I think a lot of men would uh, benefit from actually being honest of what their emotional availability capacity is. Imagine being like, yeah, I'm simply right now. All I'm looking for is not a relationship Mm -hmm. and just being upfront about it. And then also following that statement up with actions would (laughs) also be great. Yeah. Honest about (laughs) and not being like, I'm not ready for a, a relationship, but immensely treating that partner like you Mm -hmm. are in a relationship and then being like, I said I wasn't in a relationship. Yeah. This is one thing. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it's like a very important discovery that I made for myself and maybe somebody else out there needs to hear it. So I'm going to put it out there. I always thought when I thought about like people being emotionally unavailable, I would think of it as, oh, like that person is really guarded and they don't share their emotions and they don't share their feelings and they like, you know, Mm -hmm. are not open with that. But one thing that I've learned is that a lot of people who are emotionally unavailable are actually very open with their feelings and they will unload a lot of them onto you and they will like talk Almost about like things. trauma dumping? Yeah. And be like extremely <laughs> vulnerable with you. And you're like, oh my God, this person isn't emotionally available. Like they tell me all these things and like they're super open, but their emotional unavailability is that they're not available for you to give them your emotions and they're not available to be emotionally supportive for you. Damn. And that Thank you for sharing. <laughs> that type is far more dangerous and painful. So, if you find that that's a pattern like I have in my romantic relationships, maybe that's something to look into. We can do it together. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, that's a discovery that I made recently. So, shit. Yeah. Damn. I'm like now I'm racking my brain. I'm like any any person I've ever been with who did that to me and I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because I tend to find hear me out. Mm-hmm. Like I get not being emotionally available, like not everyone's ready to date at all times. Yeah, of course. I do find that the most insidious daters mm-hmm. are like out to date, but they don't want that commitment and they will yeah they will be vulnerable with you like you said yes. and not not be able to reciprocate and i'm like why are you on the app then mm-hmm. why are you out here yeah dating then yeah it's far worse to like be all boyfriendy and relationshipy with somebody that you're not going to actually do that with mm-hmm. that's like way that's way more of a dick move than if you were just like mean to them. <laughs> if you're not mean to them, but if you were just you know yeah honest like, yeah honest and not like yeah so, something to think about this rom-com February. <laughs> something to, th- yeah, reflect upon right now. Yeah. Whew. Mm-hmm. So, that happened. Mm-hmm. So, Vivian says that it's a really good offer for a girl like her. And he says that he's never treated her like a prostitute. And after he walks away, Vivian just says, you just did. Yeah. So down in the lobby, Kit and Vivian meet up. Kit has finally gone to the hotel. Um, She apparently had been hiding from Carlos the past few days, so she's not gone to pick up the money yet. But Kit tells Vivian that she looks really good and, you know, she cleans up well. And Vivian says it's easy to clean up well when you have money, which is true. So true. Yeah. You know, Vivian says that Edward leaves tomorrow and that he asked her, you know, if he could see her again, but she thinks she should probably say no. 
And Kit is like, oh, no, I have seen this weepy look on your face before. You are in love with him. And she's like, no, I'm not in love with him. And she's like, did you kiss him on the mouth? Yikes. And Vivian's like, yeah, I did. It was you caught nice. Me. I did. But I'm not in love with him. I just, I just like him. That's all. And Kit's like, well, I mean, he's not a bum. He's rich. He's a classy guy. And Vivian's like, yeah, and he'll probably break my heart. And Kit's like, well, you know, who knows? You don't know that. Maybe you guys could get a house together and some diamonds and like a horse. It could happen. And Vivian is like, who? Who has that ever happened for? Like, when has something like this ever worked out? Give me a name of anyone that we know. And Kit like racks her brain for a name. And what she comes up with is Cinder fucking Ella. <laughs> I can't. It. <laughs> it's hard out here. It is. Um, we cut to the Morse meeting, and Morse says that he has reconsidered his position. He just wants to make his concern known about his employees and the people working for him. He asks what's going to happen to them. So Philip says that they'll be taken care of, and Edward asks to speak to Morse alone, including Phil. So everyone vacates this boardroom except for Morse and Edward. And Edward tells him that his interest in his company has changed. He doesn't want anyone to buy the company and tear it apart. He actually wants to help him, and he's never been in this position before. Um, he says that he thinks that they can do something special with the company and asks about the Navy contracts. And Edward is like, well, they aren't dead. They're just delayed. And Morse is like, okay, like you made me think that mm. we were fucked. Yeah. And he's like, that's my job. Mm. Um, so they convene their meeting and Morse says that he's proud of him, which I think for Edward, someone who never felt that from his own father is like, yeah, he's like beaming. Oh, yeah. I think that he does see – I wish we got like a little bit more – but he clearly does see, like, yeah. Morris as a father figure. And I think that's why he does feel, like, this warmth and this softness towards him. And he doesn't want to fuck him over. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's why they have, like, the grandson included. Because, like, David is, like, such a side character. It's like, why is he even here? But I think to show that kind of, like, paternal relationship and Edward to see that and want that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do wish we got a little bit more about like him kind of unpacking his daddy issues because they're touched on so brief and then we don't really ever hear about them again. For sure. For sure. But I, I do like that exchange between him and Morse. Mm -hmm. And I think it says a lot about the person that he is. Yeah. And so, yeah, every other executive gets let back in and Philip is like, you know, what's going on? But Edward is gone. He left. Yeah. And Morse tells Philip that he and Mr. Lewis are going to make ships together. And then he goes outside. He goes to his car, but he's like, I want to go for a walk. Can you wait here for a minute? And he just walks through the grass barefoot just for a little bit. Yeah. He had to go touch some grass. Uh, so back at the hotel, Vivian is like packing up all of her things in the penthouse when there's a knock at the door. And it's Philip. And Vivian's like, oh, Ed isn't here. And he's like, oh, yeah, I thought he'd be with you. She's like, oh, I thought he was with you. And he's like, well, when he was with me, he would never blow a billion-dollar deal 
but he just did. So I'm thinking he's with you. And he like lets himself in, like pours himself a drink. So obnoxious. And she's like, well, Edward will be home any minute. And he's like, this isn't a home. This is a hotel room. And you're not the little woman. You're a hooker. And he like sits next to her on the couch and starts like making a move on her. He's like touching her. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm feeling really stressed out right now. And I'm really upset. And maybe I wouldn't Mm -hmm. if like I was screwing you essentially and he she like keeps like pushing him away and moving away but he then fully like tries to assault her she like fights him off she bites him but he ends up slapping her across the face and she falls down onto the ground and he like climbs on top of her it's really it's really awful to see and thankfully edward does come back to the hotel at this point. He pulls Philip off of Vivian and like shoves him away. He pushes him towards the door. Philip is really like yelling and screaming and Edward is just kicking him out of the room. Philip calls Vivian a whore and Edward punches him very swiftly in the face. He then throws Philip's briefcase out of the room And Phil is like, I've devoted my life to you. How could you do this to me? And Edward says that that's bullshit. He loved the kill. And Edward made him a very rich man doing what he loved. Like, he doesn't give a shit about him. And he kicks him out and closes the door. (sighs) To be honest with yourself, when someone you are really close to is being a horrible person, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's a good quality. Yeah. I'm thinking so. (laughs) Moving, moving right along with that life lesson. Mm-hmm. So Vivian and Edward, you know, have a moment of reconnection. Edward wraps up some ice and, and holds it to Vivian's face. His hand is hurting. Her face is hurting. And she's like, why is it that every guy knows how to slap a woman across the face? Like, do they just take you aside in school and, and let you know, like, here's how you do it? And he tells her that not all guys hit. And... She says that she heard about the deal. He says it was a business decision, and she says that it was good. She tells him that, you know, she has to get going, and he asks why she's leaving now. And she says that there's always going to be some guy thinking that he's allowed to treat her that way, like Phil did, and he can't beat up everybody. But Edward knows that's not the actual reason why she's leaving. Yeah. And Vivian tells him that, honestly, like a couple of months ago, she would have taken his offer, but he changed her and she can't go back. And now she wants more. Mm -hmm. So he says that he knows about wanting more. He invented the concept. And she says that she wants the fairy tale. But Edward says his special gift is impossible relationships. So he hands her the money that he owes her and says, thank you. And gives her his card in case she ever needs anything. She's like about to leave, but he closes the door and he's like, will you just, you know, spend the night with me? Not because I'm paying you, but because you want to. And she tells him that she can't and they say goodbye. And she tells him that she thinks that he has a lot of special gifts. Oh my gosh. My man is so charming. He's so sincere. I know. It's so hard. And she's so like 
God. It's just, it's so good. They're so good. I don't know if we made it clear, but like as Vivian has stayed at the hotel this week, everyone at the hotel has fallen in love with her. Yeah. Like they think that she's so kind. She's Mm -hmm. so inviting. um, She's so charming. Like she has really become a friend to everyone at the at the hotel. Yeah. And like the, those are things that I, I think it's really clear that those are qualities that she always had. It's not like the yeah. makeover that, you know, brought this out. It's that she's no. had to have like a very hard exterior and a very hard shell because of the way that she's been treated. And unfortunately, that's like eclipsed a lot of these like really amazing qualities that she just never had the chance to let flourish. Totally. As the movie goes on, we get to see more of her. But I never feel like she changes. Yeah. Like when she goes to see the opera and she's like, I almost peed my pants. Yeah. It's like that's something she would have always said. Oh, yeah. She still has that really delightful kind of like unfiltered edge that Mm -hmm. I think gives her so much charm. Absolutely. So Vivian goes down to the lobby and she says goodbye to Barney. And he's like, oh, I get you're not like going with Mr. Lewis to New York. And she's like, come on, Barney. You and I live in the real world. That's not how it works. And he asks how she's going to get home. And she says she'll call a cab. He's like, no, allow me. Summons the limo driver and says, please take Vivian anywhere she wants to go. So Barney kisses her hand and tells her that it's been a pleasure knowing her and to come visit anytime. We've come a long way from him being like, I will never see you in this hotel again, right? And she tells Barney to stay cool. (laughs) It must have been love, but it's it's over now. (laughs) Christina writes, why do I have chills? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a classic late 80s, early 90s power ballad. It's a huge power ballad. Gotta love it. And... We're feeling it Mm -hmm. because Edward is looking over the ledge of his balcony. He's trying. He's trying to get to that edge, but he can't do it. The next morning, he goes back out onto the balcony. He looks at the necklace box, and he tries to look over the edge again. He gets closer, and the bellhop is like, Mr. Lewis, like I'm taking your bags downstairs. Yeah, then back at Vivian and Kit's apartment. Vivian is actually packing up all of her stuff Mm -hmm. because she's decided to move to San Francisco. Yes, ma'am. I can only assume that she's moving there because she enjoyed her time at the opera so much and wants to go somewhere that she felt good. (gasps) Oh, I didn't even remember that the opera was in San Francisco. Oh, it's so beautiful. So I'm like, I hope that Vivian like starts a career working in opera or like in the arts or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kit asks what she's going to do down there. And Vivian's like, I don't know. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to finish high school. You know, I even had really good grades before I dropped out. Vivian gives Kit some of the money that she got from Edward. And she kind of frames it as like, oh, please accept this donation from the Edward Lewis Scholarship Foundation. Mm-hmm. I think you have real potential. And she's like, you think I have potential? Yeah. And Vivian says to not let anyone tell her otherwise. So she puts her old little like black cap that she used to wear on Kit and says, take care of you. But Kit's like, no, 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 I'm not taking this hat. It was your favorite. And I have to split because goodbyes make me crazy. But take care of you. Oh. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the hotel lobby, 
Edward asks Barney if he has any messages. He doesn't. And he asks for a car to the airport. So Barney gets Daryl to drive him. And Edward is like, oh, yeah, one last thing. Please give this necklace back to Fred's. And Barney's like, you know, can I take a look? And they get to admire the stunning rubies, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Barney says it must be difficult to let something so beautiful go. He mentions that Daryl also drove Vivian home yesterday. So he knows where she lives and you can go to her and give her this necklace that you want to return. <laughs> if this movie is Cinderella, Barney is the fairy godmother. That's all so I'm saying. So freaking true. Yeah. So, so freaking true. <laughs> so Edward gets in the limo with Daryl. He's just looking out the window. And when... Daryl says, you know, your flight is arriving early. You'll get back to New York in no time. He just smiles. He's got something on his mind. So then we cut to this little fast food place where Kit is talking to a potential new roommate. And she's like, oh, but, you know, I'm going to have to charge you more than I charge Vivian because I'm looking into taking, like, some classes at a beauty school. So Kit might be changing her career path. Ooh. Meanwhile, outside – we see Edward get out of his limo and go up to this lady who's selling flowers and buys a bouquet. And where's he going? I don't know. Where's he going? To Vivian's apartment. Mm-hmm. She's about to leave when she hears this honking outside <gasps> and La Traviata. And she goes to the window. She sees Edward outside. He's standing outside of the sunroof holding flowers, waving his umbrella. And he yells, Princess Vivian, come down. <laughs> and I am freaking out because this is the most, like, outward, most outgoing he has been this entire movie. Yeah. Like, we don't hear him yell like this. We don't hear him let go. Mm -hmm. And she comes out and he realizes that she's on the top fucking floor. And he's Ugh. like, of course. And he tells her that he's coming up. He pulls down the fire escape with his umbrella and he tentatively makes his way up, conquering his fear of heights step by step. Yep. And he finally makes it to Vivian and asks her what happened after the knight climbed up the tower and rescued the girl. And she says that she rescued him right back. And they kiss passionately. Wow. <sighs> And then there's like a really <laughs> weird outro. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it just doesn't like, you know, fit in with anything else in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's like, everybody comes here. This is Hollywood, the land of dreams. Some dreams come true, some don't. But keep on dreaming. <laughs> this is Hollywood. Always time to dream. So keep on dreaming. Dream, dream, dreamers, dream, dreaming, dream, er, dream. And I don't know why they put this in the script at no, all. It's it's not needed. I feel like we got it. We got the ending. Like we're all good. All summed up. Very nice ending moment. And they're like, dreamers, dream, dream, dreaming, dreams, dream, Hollywood a little dream dreams of me, of me. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, that is Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Wow. I'll watch it again. Yeah. I, I really, liked it. I really liked it too. <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. Um, so many people throughout my entire life have been horrified whenever I've said, I've never seen Pretty Woman, including all They're of my coworkers. Scared. They're like, help her. <laughs> yeah. All of my coworkers, when I said uh, earlier this week that I'd never seen it before, were like, what? You must watch. So I'm glad that I did. It really mm-hmm. is like, it is like so iconic in terms of romantic yeah. comedies. It really defines the form, I feel. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, like, there are things that are cliches now that, like, originated in this movie. Certainly. Yeah. You can really see its impact in so many other movies. And one that actually we didn't – I forgot to mention, but this is – because this is a Gary Marshall film and so is Princess Diaries. So, you know, when she's at the restaurant and, like, her – she's eating the escargot and it goes flying and the waiter catches (gasps) it and he's, like, happens all the time. Stop. Same I thing in Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries. And she's at and the dinner. And it's the same waiter. It's the same actor that plays that waiter. You're kidding. Yeah. Gary Mar- the Gary Marshall Cinematic Universe. Something else. Wow. Let's get a book on that <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Or a YouTube video at least. A YouTube doc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I came into it with pretty fresh eyes. I didn't even really know a mm-hmm. lot of the spoilers. Yeah. So getting to see what happened between Edward and Vivian and like – the different tribulations they go through together. Um, I just thought that Edward was a, a really lovely character and mm-hmm. he had a capacity to be honest, like with himself. You know, this wasn't something he normally did, but he kind of showed his bandwidth mm-hmm. for Pat for like compassion, I think. Yeah. Because even though he is a pretty uptight businessman, he's um pretty cold in that regard. Like he understands that people should be respected and never never once in the movie do we see him be disrespectful to someone in service. Mm-hmm. We don't see him berate other people. Yeah. I think he is like a good person at his core. I mean there's no there's no ethical consumption under capitalism but Yeah. I I do think that they made the main character very charming and I, I mm-hmm. really liked his his growth, I guess, his arc over in the movie. And I thought that Julia Roberts did a fantastic job. They had a great chemistry. I think the characters felt very genuine, and that's why I liked the movie so much. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really cool to see these two characters um, because they are so similar in so many ways. Like, they really are two sides of the same coin, just in different circumstances. And I think that that's why Mm -hmm. they were so instantly drawn to each other is that it was so clear from their first interaction when she's like, haggling him about like charging him for directions he's like this this person is just like me and i think that's why they do connect so quickly and just you know seeing their their progression of being able to actually open up and like be vulnerable and trust another person because those those are not easy things to do i think is really cool to get to see on screen and you can really see like why they fell in love with each other it feels very natural and organic Mm -hmm. and i feel like with a lot of other rom-coms we don't really get to see like why these two particular people fall for each other but i think it's so clear in this movie yeah and i think they're really great vehicles to like bring you along in the story Mm -hmm. do we want to do our like our rom-com scale that we did last time where it's like how many boxes of chocolate am i giving how many am i eating oh yeah let's let's stick to it that's one scale we can stick to all right 
So how many boxes of chocolate are you giving to this movie? I'm giving it nine boxes of chocolates. Mm. And how many are you eating? Eating is tough, right? Because it's like the theoretical, I have to actually eat this many <laughs> chocolates. But I would say, such a good question. Okay, I'm going to say five because mm. I feel like that's a lot. Yeah. Like I feel like the boxes that you're eating should be maybe up to five mm. instead of ten. Yeah. But um, I think I'm like – because half the time I am so eyes glued on the television screen and then the other half I feel like I'm watching like a classic old favorite that I've mm. seen a million times and still love. Yeah. I'm going to give it – what do I want to give? Yeah. I'm going to give it nine boxes as well. It was so good. Hell I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm going to give it nine boxes and I'm going to eat – Three. Three seems like the appropriate amount for a two-hour movie. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I really liked watching this. I, yeah. I very much want to watch it again. And now that I know Freeform is included in my like <laughs> television thing, I am going to watch this again on Freeform. You will be missing a couple of scenes, but it is there. Uh, yeah, apparently so. <laughs> if you're in Canada, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. You can also rent it on Amazon Prime. In the U.S., I yeah. don't know if it will have the uncut scenes, but I'm assuming it will because I think the freeform one is the made-for-TV Yeah, cut. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But wow, what a great way to kick off rom-com February. I am so excited for I'm what the month stoked. holds. We have some great movies lined up, so mm -hmm. you're definitely going to want to stay tuned. And if you want to, you know, see what movie we're doing before the episode comes out, where can you do that? Oh my god, on our Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod, or you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll read the whole email. We'll yeah. get back to you. We will. We will. We love it. And uh, we will see you next week for another rom-com. Yes, we will. Happy February. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.